Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. It was great return. You know, we, I, I can't say I was at the race very much, but we were visiting friends near Paris Tancaster and certainly we were watching on social media and you went and checked out the rainy finish line, but we are in the height of spring classics and spring spring classic weather, it seems like. You know, I'll tell you, I think the actual spring classics riders have had an easier year than anyone who did Paris to Ancaster yesterday. It was cold. It was rainy. It was muddy. It was everything that you're hoping that Perry roubaix is going to be. But I feel like Perry roubaix this year was actually like quite moderate. Like I'm quite not sure. mild. I'm not sure. I don't know if they would agree uh, with you or I, not. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure the yeah Wout Van Aert is just listening to this screaming because obviously he listens to our podcast. But anyway, mm. honestly, kudos to anyone who raced Paris Tancaster. I saw so many families out doing like the short course. I saw a couple on the the short course. I actually ran past one woman who had the like little like half bike attached to her bike, and she had maybe her like five or six year old on the the back. And like, holy, holy smokes, like to, mm. to do the short course like that. Oof. Yes. Tough day for that, but uh, character builder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, so that was a Canadian gravel nationals, the first one that's been held. So uh, kudos to uh, all the, the winners, the podium finishers. Yeah. And there's certainly the other ones. I can never say the name correctly, but Rasputista uh, was also happening this past weekend, mm-hmm. which is always another one of the spring classics. And was there other ones this weekend? I'm probably forgetting Rasputista a few. actually means, I think, mud season in Ru- Like it's what oh. mud season in Russia well, is maybe or if something. I, I'll just so say that from Very now appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> so lots going on. Obviously, Sea Otter kicked off last week. Weekend. I was out there for that. So yeah, it really feels like everyone just has racing on the brain, travel on the brain. So that's definitely, you know, coming up a lot in the questions we're getting a lot with what Peter's clients are, are heading into. You're actually starting racing this coming weekend. Yes. If anyone was wondering, the Mansfield uh, Provincial World Championships of the World are happening this weekend. And maybe Peter will finally win It's one. not looking good, but uh, I'm going to go in with that intent for sure. So this week is polishing off you know tire prep and get to the course a couple times i made a got a couple early previews as well so uh yeah we'll, we'll see we'll see nice, nice and we like peter said we were out visiting friends this weekend which was awesome but definitely uh takes a takes a hit on my nutrition i'm not gonna lie when you're when you're staying with other people you're sort of on their agenda you're on what they're eating you're kind of you know there's a little more takeout than usual so that brings us to our wonderful sponsors we have ag1 by athletic greens and you know i've said this before this is my absolute travel staple like the travel packs of it are really the only thing that i remember to do for myself uh when it comes to the the things that i'm supposed to be doing to to stay stay on the the healthy side of things Mm. uh so it's you know it's got all in one right you've got your your 
I'm sure I'm like, well, I'm I was so going to say today we're talking nutrients. a little bit about getting sick and racing and traveling. And so they do, you know, it's not just greens. They say there's also these adaptogens, these mushroom complexes in there. Uh, there's probiotics, which can also be important when we're traveling and racing and really like doing a number on the, the gut. So again, I think we'll, we'll maybe speak to this a bit later in the episode as we're working through this ad, but the, uh, it might be an experiment, especially for those that are busy, right? You know, some of the folks that have gotten, you know, are these busy moms, especially, but busy parents. Parents uh, who are also trying to train and race, you know, it's been a rough spring uh, as far as sickness goes. Yeah, for sure. So to be able to just mix up like, boom, you know, vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, probiotics, prebiotics, and of course, your greens sort of all in one and it actually tastes pretty good. Uh, I think it's it's just kind of a win, 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 win situation. And yeah, like I say, the travel packs for race weekends, so good. So nice to just have that little bit of extra bonus health insurance. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. Like we said, very, very important. The vitamin D drops also come with us. Uh, You also get five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash Molly H. Again, athleticgreens.com backslash Molly H to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. You will not regret it. Okay, so where do we want to start when it comes to this racing training, as you sort of alluded to, this racing potentially when you're feeling a little off? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I guess the question is, you know, should I race if I'm sick so is, let's start, is the question. Let's start with like the obvious caveat. If you have tested positive for COVID. Well, or any I guess, the communicable disease, yeah. you know, but I mean, it's where do you draw the line, I guess. But yes, for sure, there's, you, you should po- follow public guidelines and, you know, rules laid out by the race yeah. and so forth. This is not like, uh, we're saying like mask at the start and then just drop it when the rate, no, like stay home well, if I mean, you're that, testing that, positive that, that for COVID. That was technically a guideline, not to go down that rabbit hole, but that that was a, a guideline <laughs> period. But, um, but that's for everyone. That's not for if you're positive. I'm just saying like, before we get into any of the nuances of how you're feeling, I just wanted to to drop like the public health thing of just, hey, we're not suggesting that anyone should be racing with any kind of illness that could spread to someone else. Be smart, be community focused, right. like okay. be mindful of, you know, driving down with your friends if you're feeling So crappy. let's assume okay. we're speaking about like cold and flu, which I mean, it's probably similar in some ways, but you know, in general, you're outside, just try and stay away from people and wash your hands and stuff, uh, which maybe could summarize this whole episode. Uh, so sh- I always go, you know, with if we're thinking parastatin cancer, this, this came up, right? And this is, I think we have to recognize that this is how things go, right? Like this, the, what is the saying? Like the, that's bike racing, right? You're going to crash. You're going to, right? It, it's going to happen so many times. Like if I think we talk about Noah, the young uh, gentleman who I coach, uh, races mountain bikes and raced parastatin caster, like he's had lots of great ones and the bounces go really well sometimes. And then, you know, random mechanicals, it could be, like at Paris Ancaster, someone crashed into him in a parking lot or something, like another bike rider in the lead group. Like he was, you know, in the lead group and taking pulls at the front. And then, you know, there you go. <laughs> Two guys crash into you in a parking lot. Uh, or another client, you know, got sick, like just overnight, like night sweats. And, you know, just like, it was pretty obvious, like barely could get, you know, out of bed type of thing. Right. And so often it's like when, when you get sick, it's often obvious but let me finish that thought i guess that bike racing is just not fair (laughs) sometimes right uh no one owes you anything like you often won't get there but there'll be other days you will and you learn along the way from all these little these things right but it's just that's the nature of bike racing is you know 
or sport, right? Like the baseball players, like if you can bat 400, you're like the best batter in baseball. But 400, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I have no idea. I think it's like four out of 10, but I apologize to baseball fans. But you're not hitting everyone. You're probably not even hitting 50% of the times you go to bat. So it's obvious with baseball. We actually have Rob Grace coming on the podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about baseball and coaching coming up. Um, Good. Maybe he can explain it. But I would think, you know, even Wout, and, and these Matthew Vanderpool characters who are, you know, very good. There are 400 batters and in, in they're very consistent. You know, they've gotten to the top and they're pretty good. Like, I think if you laid it out, it, it's not, you know, generally there's a lot of races they're not winning. Yeah, only because there's another guy that's winning all the races. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's three, three of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they have to rotate it around. <laughs> so in all that rambling thing, like, I think it, it's not the end of the world. It, it's what we actually expect. And sometimes the expectations are, are important. Um, For sure. Right? Yeah. No, I, I love that. And I think you're you're right. Racing isn't fair. And to kind of assume that your training plus like your gear equals your race day is you're just always going to be disappointed because there's always going to be something that's going to happen, whether it is the getting sick, whether it is like the little mechanical, uh, you know, if you're if you're me and you're like stepping out of the woods at one point and you step wrong and now your calf is messed up for three and, weeks and you got stung by a bee. And yeah, like, yeah, like you just can't. And this is, yeah, I, I always recommend the Phil Guyman book. Like, I don't know that it would be everyone's, you know, favorite book, but if you're look, if you're like, you want to understand this, like, and Phil had a great career, like he was mm-hmm. like, one of the best climbers in the world, um, you know, and still around on YouTube and, and doing the Strava thing. But it, when you read about his, like coming from just being a young man, trying to be a bike racer and like driving across the country, getting sick, driving across the country, crashing, driving across the country, like the bike explodes, driving across, you know, and, and not winning. And then finally, I don't know if he won the time trial, whatever, uh, you know, he, he got a contract and so forth, but you know, <laughs> just like not, not a lot of wins in that thing and an otherwise good career. So mm-hmm. we want to, and, and so the expectations are important. And then, so that comes back to like, why are we doing it and all this sort of stuff, but uh, do you want to go down that rabbit hole or do you want to focus more on the... I'm a little afraid of that rabbit hole because yeah. Peter's heard me like having some existential crises, <laughs> I'm going to say, uh, the past couple weeks about what it, what does it mean to be a racer and the privilege... I, no, I am going to say like the, the privilege of being on the start line, I think is worth remembering in any of these situations, whether you are a little stuffy or a little sniffly or your gut's a little off and you're like not sure how well the race is going right. to go. Okay, well, let's, let's stay more on the sickness no, thing. So well... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, let's get like sort of rule of thumb. Everyone has probably heard the neck check. This is like, is it above the neck or below the neck? And this is, I I think you could say like, is it debilitating or is it sniffles? You know, is this like, oh, I have a runny nose or maybe even a bit of a cough. Uh, And the cough I always find tricky because it could be in the middle of the the neck. neck. Yeah. Uh, you know, could be on both sides of the neck. But I think, especially if we're talking race morning, some of this gets into how far out are we from it. If we're race morning and suddenly like it was a rough night or like you're so you have a bit of a sore throat, whatever, I, I would say you're at the race by this point. Like you sort of go for it. But if you can't get out of bed, you can't get out of bed. Like the decision's sort of made, right? If you've been just, you know, explosive diarrhea, you know, really sore stomach, like bent over with cramps, like you can't get food. Like this is below the neck. And I think it starts becoming like a little more out of your control. Um, like a lot of times your body basically tells you, right? And, and I've seen people go to the line, like you can certainly put on clothes and walk to the start line, but you sort of know how that day is going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're bent over the handlebars and, you know, can barely get yourself to the line, like I don't know how a vigorous bike race is going to go. So a lot of times 
if you step back, it's pretty obvious. And it's not that you're a weak human being or anything else. Just sometimes, you know, it, it's pretty clear. So you got to live to fight another day. Yeah. And it's really unfortunate, right? And some people will still make the choice to try and get to the line and start the race so they can say like they've never DNS, you know, they've never, you know, do not, what was it? Did, do not start. Did, did, not, uh, did uh, not start <laughs> is DNS. DNF is did not finish. Right, right. And, and so you may end up DNFing. So you have to sort of come to terms with which one are you more comfortable Ooh, with in, yeah. in, that, in that sense. And, and maybe you still shoulder on, but what the whole uh, below the neck, you know, neck check thing. What it's trying to do is is think long term. So there's today's race. So you didn't start Paris Dancaster. You did start it and you didn't finish, or you did race it, um, but you raced it with some sort of illness. The concern, especially, you know, I, I don't know. I'm a bit back and forth on the whole. Like, does cold weather make you sick? That's a whole other rabbit hole. But does that effort? You know, you you were at like not great as far as you know the resources your body had and then you just completely dropped yourself by racing really hard and and you know racing in cold weather and really like getting you know your body was very fatigued at the end so then the question is does whatever you had within you you know you had a sore throat does that turn into something way way worse that then's going to be with you for who knows right like is it going to be a longer illness than had you not done it and then do you care more about the the subsequent period right say say paris to ancaster this weekend wasn't your big race and you're actually cued in on something in june or july so if then this next may you know block is lost to illness right you have to keep taking breaks and you can't you know you're sick you take a couple of weeks off that would be that's why this is like such a difficult decision is because you can live for the present day like yolo or you can try and make a forecast a gamble based on you know a future event right yeah now and you've you've had this with a you know a few different clients over the years where the problem also seems to be it tends to be like a very up down up down up down thing so instead of like a nice sort of flat line or even like a curve up you have people who you know go way down because they race or train really hard while they're a little bit sick and then it takes them a few extra days to recover and then as soon as they're recovered they want to get right back to training because the a race is coming up so it's a like, boom we need to get out and do do a test or do the intervals or anything mm -hmm. And they go out and do that for a few days and then they get sick again. So I think there's also the like, not just the one time you're sick, but you're also just kind of beating up your body. So you tend to get sick more frequently. Right, right. And that's consistency there for sure, right? And, and that might look like, you know, maybe it was a rough April and then, you know, you do the spring race while maybe a bit sick and then you're down for a bit, but then you want to prove your legs. So you, you know, test yourself a bunch or you know, try and do a bunch of like intervals because you read that, you know, if you do intervals every day for three weeks, you know, it's going to increase your VO2 max or something. Uh, but then you might get tired or sick. Like this is not just you're going to get a cold because you train hard. That's not necessarily true, but it could be any, you know, maybe you end up with an injury, right? Because again, too much too soon. So all of this stuff, it's annoying, but it is like that seamless. We talked, spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. Dan John's like, are you okay if it's seamless? And it sounds like a dumb question, but most people would say, no, I need it now rather than saying, oh yeah, I'll, I'll take three months and gradually progress towards my July race, um, which is a difficult thing to commit to, right? Cause mm -hmm. you do have to say no to some things uh, and you do have to have a bit of discipline there for sure. Mm -hmm. But that's, I think the the heart of this thing is, so whether you race or not, I think if you're at the race, you're at the race and, and you sort of go for it unless 
you wake up and it's very much below the neck again. And, you know, explosive diarrhea, stomach cramps. Just really on explosive diarrhea Didn't today. sleep. You know, sometimes I like the rule of three when you're trying to make decisions like this. Like, you know, you take it off your hands and you're like, okay, I didn't sleep. I have diarrhea. I'm, cr- you know, I, I can't even get out of bed because I have such bad stomach cramps or something like that. I haven't eaten. Um, and those are very, like, you know, you can be pretty factual with those things. So if you're someone who's like really thinks you're, you know, like lying to yourself and trying to get yourself out of the race, like if it's rainy outside, that's not a reason. Like you signed up for a spring race. If you don't like rainy races, don't sign up for, you know, spring races. But this is the illness piece is, is separate, right? So what we're sometimes concerned about it, I think I hear in people's voices when they say this is, I think I'm being weak because I, I have stomach nausea, right? So are you just nervous, <laughs> you know, or is right. this below the neck? It can get tricky. So this is where I think sometimes it's like, if it's just one thing and it's not, you know, you're, you're sitting there like, you know, you have the energy, you, you were able to eat, you know, but you're feeling a little nausea, like that's fine. Like lots of people have <laughs> thrown up in a bicycle race. Um, so I think that's where sometimes you have to think like, is it compelling like that? And a lot of times your body will tell you. Yeah. Actually, this reminds me of a conversation I actually had on my other podcast, The Business of Fitness, uh, with my friend Pat Spencer, who actually does some more of the on the mental coaching side. And she actually put together this little decision matrix. Oh, I so saw it's that. Yeah, that the usual like four, yeah. uh, you know, the four quadrants, and but it's it's not really quadrants necessarily. Uh, this is just where you're making a list where it's the pros of doing a certain thing, and then the cons of doing that certain thing. So, so let's say is, racing. this is normal, like what people would do pro cons. Yeah. List. So this is your normal pro con list. So pro of racing today, con of racing. Is that today. what that's called? Pros and cons list. Pros and cons list. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then, but, but yeah, then it's a two add, by two. Yeah. You add two more. You do the pros of not doing the thing and the cons of not doing the thing. So pros of not doing the race, cons of not doing the race. And on the surface, it sounds like the pros of not doing the race would be the same as the cons of doing the race. But I think you get you really kind of start to see the subtle differences. And I think the cons of the pros of not doing or the cons of not doing actually make you start thinking about the mental side of it a little bit more. Okay. Um, so I think it, it might just be really helpful to kind of pull that up. And maybe we'll include a link to that in the show notes um and also pat spencer's work if someone is looking for mental performance coaching i highly recommend her she's awesome yeah um and actually that episode's a really good one too but point of point of the thing is sometimes it helps to actually like write this stuff out like if you're really struggling with the do i go to the start line just take five minutes and just quickly whether you make the quadrants or not just kind of write it all out because i think it gets in your head and you start just kind of spiraling in in your brain instead of just putting it on and i saw actually the pros cons it's funny you mentioned that because i think i got three of those in different formats from clients uh over this past week uh (laughs) for different decisions pretty much using your email as uh their well maybe i mean yeah in different formats like i say but yeah it's sometimes just thinking through those things right and it's nervous this time of year so it is we're sort of tying this like you actually have an illness with like you maybe have a bit of nerves and again i think that's what i hear in people's voices and emails is is they're worried that they're just making up an illness to get out of you know i'm sick i'm not going to school you know, I'm really nervous for the first day of school. And sometimes you have to, you know, talk to yourself and really ask, right? Is it just that I'm nervous about the first race? And that's everyone, right? Mm-hmm. I had a client say, it seems like everyone thinks this Paris to Ancaster is the most important race of the year. And, you know, it, it really isn't for me, but it's hard to get tied up. You know, you get tied up in this and it, it is, it seems like people are really like excited and 
yeah, just the first race, but it doesn't have to be. There's lots of my clients went who like most of the mountain bikers go just because it's the first, you know, it, it's not mountain biking and they can get a start line and a hard effort and it's sort of an adventure. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, you see all your friends after a winter off. And so when I see the pros cons list to tie in again with your stuff is a lot of the pros actually include some of the stuff that I, I wish would be more included. So yes, there's a race, maybe you'll lose, maybe you'll win, but there's the friends and the you know, just these things where, you know, it's a cool route, you get access to private property, I get to see new people, I get to meet people. Mm-hmm. And so the stuff that's not really related to the bike racing, right? The stuff that really is why we do it, right? The the journey, you know? Yeah. And I do think if you're someone who really stresses about doing well in a race, there actually, and I include myself in this category, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, there is something to be said for going into a race that you know, you're not necessarily going to do well in. I think it it actually is good for you to occasionally be on a start line where you're like, oh, this, you know, not failing great. This very well may not go well. Like, I'm not even going to go out hard, but I'm going to do the race. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this relates to expectations. We we always bang our head off the ground every time we see some of the pro riders who are like, oh, I hoped for better. And, you know, just this, if you watch now, you'll see it in like every Instagram. It's like, I hoped for better. And you'll be like, well, why? Like, if you think why? about it in a lot of cases, like, what did you hope for? Like, were you planning on winning the World Cup? Because, like, statistically, like, I would not forecast that, which is a very robotic way to think about racing. Like, you should aspire to greatness. But, like, if you're not Matthew Vanderpool, you know, like, <laughs> like I don't know. Like, at some point, it's pretty obvious where you are. And, and when we speak about this, this is you, you, your winning, my winning. Like, it's, it, it is where it is, right, in mm-hmm. a given race. Um, you know, sometimes the ball bounces really well. And uh, most of the time, as we discussed, you know, that, for that batter hitting 400, you know, it's you're in there, you're getting experience, you're having fun, you're pushing your own limits uh, to get your own win. And, and I think that's where if we align those expectations, it's a little more exciting because we, we're going to go out and work hard. We're going to try and fight for our best finish, our best time, our best whatever. Uh, but sometimes, yeah, you shake your head because I think we make ourselves so nervous because we're expecting, you know, to win Paris to Ancaster. And it's, you know, one person does that. And, and some of us listening may be in line for that, but, you know, it, it, we just have to be careful sometimes that we're not, you know, building it up like our career and stuff hinges on this too. Because if you're listening to this, it probably doesn't. <laughs> and, and that is that, you know, finding that optimal arousal, because you also don't want to go into it and say, oh, it's just, you know, nothing. Right. Yeah. Because the second it starts raining and you feel tired and, you know, someone crashes into you and you have to get up and pick your, I had a couple clients like Megalee had a flat tire and she had to fix it not that she's one of our clients I, that was sort of a weird thing but uh a pro rider Megalie rochette like had a flat tire and it ended up being a whole event she didn't even finish but she ended up meeting a family or something that was, was actually sort of a funny story uh but other people you know they had to stop and pump up their tire a little bit in the rain and then carry on and you know you lose the group and what an adventure right like you persisted you had the tools you used the tools you kept yourself warm enough and yeah what a what a great adventure and experience that you can carry forward right Mm-hmm. You know, what a great story to talk about. Mm-hmm. So there you go. We, we've been sort of, we, we knew we were going to get a bit into this, like racing, if you're going to race, um, maybe we could just touch on that. So we do have this post and, and clients will know that this is like one of our, it's not a tenant. I think that's, was that what we were debating as a, a tenant? A fourth tenant? I yeah, don't know. Yeah, if it's one of our core philosophies. I don't know, but we talk about it a lot. And, and the reason is that I, I really want, once we're committed to the race, we're going to it until which time you have the diarrhea and the the nausea and you're bent over and just you can't get there, right? Sometimes you just can't get there and that's fine. 
but we don't want to be debating whether we're going to register based on, you know, maybe weather or, uh, you know, any of these other things. If we feel like it, you know, if we think we have enough fitness, right? Because we're never going to feel like we have enough fitness. That's the, that Rebecca Roosh, Roosh Rush. <laughs> you're going to have to edit that one. Uh, the Rebecca Rush quote where, you know, you're never as prepared as you want to be on the start line, but at some point you have to say, you know, I'm going. That's I'm going to show up with the best I have and, yeah. and do it. And, and yeah. I think that's such a great philosophy. Yeah, there's the Lauren Michaels Saturday Night Live quote where it's like the show doesn't go on because it's ready. The show goes goes on because it's 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. Just like one of my all time favorites. Mm-hmm. Rebecca's is definitely above that. But I always think about that one when I hear that. Sure, quote. sure. So I, I think it's important because we spend so much brain power debating right right and we want to commit so even with paris ancaster just the weather conversations on and on and on ancaster always sucks like i love the race like 10 out of 10 Mm -hmm. but that race has never had just like bluebird skies and warm sunshine like it's gonna suck you're gonna be cold you're probably gonna be wet yeah there'll be mud and and so there'll be variants and you can you know whatever but again we don't control it and this gets back to controlling the controllables and you know you can change your tires you can practice your all these things right what lubricant do we use what tires do we use what clothing do we use and this is why we try and train outside most of the year uh a little bit as much as we can so that you have some of these experiences. And if you don't have it, then Paris Ancaster is going to be a great time to test it and find it out uh, and probably won't be an A race, right? And this is where we can sort of arrange the season for that success. But it is just something where you're accumulating this. And a lot of times people have to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it and mm-hmm. they figure it out. And that's true of lots of different races. Yeah. And then I think in in race, if you're going to race, it's also the in-race mentality. Um, so I think a lot of people, uh, and you know, I include myself here, like, there's a point in a race where things aren't going as planned. And I don't even mean they're going catastrophically wrong. I mean, they're just not going as like according to your internal plan. Mm -hmm. And suddenly your brain starts sort of rationalizing, pulling back, dialing it down, have, you know, like starting to like talk about how you're just going to have fun with the race and like, Oh, I'm just going to soft pedal it in or, you know, even just, I'm going to, I'm going to pull out. And I mean, in some cases, obviously, like pulling out is the smart thing to do. Like I've done it whenever you're concerned about your actual safety in a race. I think that's a great time. But in general, if you think you can finish the race, like that's where the race, if you're going to race mentality comes in, like, okay, you're in it. So you're in it, whether or not it's going the way you hoped it would, you're still in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, it's it's a tricky one to make. But I think as a, a rule of thumb, again, rules of thumb, heuristics are made to you know you can break these they are just rules of thumb um but i think constantly leaving the option and decision there is very fatiguing to your brain and doesn't let you move forward to solutions to continue uh so in the case of you know the hill's harder than i expect which this is completely normal right where our brains are always trying to triangulate can i make it to the finish at this current pace and if there's a bit of a mismatch which is a, the start of a mountain bike race in the first lap. You know, I've spoken before about if I, if I don't feel like I'm not going to finish the race on the first lap, the race probably isn't going very well. It's true. Uh, you know, sometimes you don't have that determination to drive yourself that hard, but that's mountain bike racing. And it's it, it if you don't do that, like someone else is. Well, you get to ask this often by especially some of the younger uh, guys getting into the elite field. Like they're like, oh, like 
you know, I want to, I want to like measure my effort at the start. Like I want to like oh. make sure I don't go too hard at the start. And the answer is always like, no, in mountain bike racing, you're going too hard at the start. Like that's. <laughs> <laughs> and again, there's people who are very good at starting who can, you know, they have a couple gears in that sprinting, uh, you know, where they do need to be a little, uh, that can be young men for sure. Uh, but even still, like you're going quite hard. There isn't like pacing in those types of races. Uh, so yeah, you have to be, be careful. And so even just like midway through the race, a lot of times your brain, and, and you will experience this in all your threshold intervals, any of the hard intervals you do, you'll find around midway, your brain is doing this calculation of, is this how hard I expected it to be this far from the finish? Mm-hmm. And then you need to say, brain, keep pushing. Uh, cause a lot of times the next time, you know, you're going to be closer, say the next lap or, you know, in your, your 20 minute intervals, when you get to 15 minutes or say three laps out of four, you're just rounding for the last lap. A lot of times your brain's like, Oh yeah, we're good. No problem. And, and then suddenly people will, you know, pick it up or, or again, the expectation versus reality is more balanced. Oh yeah. We have enough resources. Probably it should feel hard on the last lap. I can see the finish and Oh yeah. Okay. Keep going, you know, keep working that energy, but midway, a lot of times it's tricky. And that is where the intervals, where if we are attentive and we're not just sitting, you know, watching a TV show and on erg mode and not paying attention and not working, you know, quite that hard, you might not ever learn that. Right. And this is where the, I don't want to think, or I don't want to pay attention sometimes will bite us when we get to race season, because there's a lot of thinking and decisions in, in a, in an actual bike ride, you know, outside or, or a race. Yeah. I mean, I'd argue there shouldn't be a whole lot of decisions necessarily. Well, Uh, there's all these micro, that's what I mean is like, you're not deciding to race and you're not deciding to like, if you will finish, you're deciding on pace, you're deciding on, mm -hmm. you know, cornering or strategy or, you know, you know, all these breaking, like, you know, your brain is doing a lot. (laughs) It's a very fatiguing thing to race very hard. For sure. And if you haven't been, yeah, thinking about like actively thinking during any workout, then yes, it's. And perceiving, right? And that's what I mean. Like if you're so in the back of your head having active conversation about, you know, should I register or or something like this, then you're not in the race where your brain needs to be. And this isn't always conscious. You know, the the less conscious it is, the better probably. You know, the more of the flow state you're in. And this is an advanced thing. This doesn't happen in your first bicycle race. Your first bicycle race, you're thinking a lot about every tree and corner and all these things. You know, was it the left thumb to shift or the right thumb? You know, some of this stuff is, you know, beginners have to really think about it. But once you get into the race, you're starting to see all these things. You know, you're hearing the guy behind you clicking his gear to try and start sprinting by you and you're already reacting with that. So that's the like flow state we're looking for in these races. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a long way from <laughs> uh, illness, but we, we did want to talk race if you're going to race and sort of that that mindset. So hopefully that's, you know, hopefully that's helping uh, with all this stuff and why some of these questions, you know, embed into the, I guess, the the, the race if you're going to race and the, the illness question. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, even we talked about training a few weeks ago and sort of that Q th- or Q2 goals or Q2 check-in and talking about how I was shifting my training to kind of be more, more race ready. I think that that kind of ties back into this. What does that mean to you? Well, I talked about like turning off podcasts during my intervals. Mm. So I'd actually like be listening to music and focusing on the intervals themselves instead of just kind of like pretending to 
Do yeah, they, or and like that's, that's to, like, exactly it. Away. Yeah, because yeah. you're not going to be thinking about your accounting, hopefully, during your race. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then I think there's, uh, I think the music can be motivational. We've spoke about music before. That was actually a, another Q&A we did. Uh, but then you can also even pull that out so sure. that you're alone with your breathing and your effort <laughs> and you can more hear your brain saying like you're only halfway through you need to back off and then you need to say potentially you know no I'm going to be bold and see if I can hold this 250 watts or 150 right. watts or 350 watts and I'm going to try and hold this and see what happens it, you know at this midway in the workout when my brain's saying you suck and you need to go home you know quit. Right. You know, go home to the couch. Yeah. It's funny. This also, I think all of this sounds very, very racy, right? Like we have to go really hard. We have to go deep. We have to like, you know, get gritty and grind it out and all that stuff. But you and I were talking about this last night because I was sort of having this existential crisis, one of many lately. Uh, and I was saying, you know, I was stressed about racing and all this stuff. And you actually said like, well, what if, what if the race was just fun? Like, what if that was your, your goal was to you know, have like, obviously for me, fun is going hard and like pushing myself in it. But what if it actually was fun? And I was thinking like my hundred miler was fun. Like I was smiling a lot during that race. And I kind of want to get that. Like, I think that feeling is super important. And I think it's worth pointing out, like not everyone is going to have the same, like, super gritty mentality with a race and it's okay to have the goal be that the race is going to be fun. Like race, if you're going to race, like can still be like, I'm going to enjoy the fact that I am out here racing. Certainly. And, and, you know, we could say participate if you're going to participate and just stop, you know, are you coming to our event or not? Like this is the race organizers are screaming, like, please pre-register because we're, you know, it, it's a tough time for cycling and events and stuff. Right. So <laughs> participate if you're going to participate. But I also think like it, it doesn't have to like, sorry, I'm, I'm really like this, this actually kind of annoys me because I think that even sets up the dichotomy of like racing happily can't possibly mean racing hard. And I think we really kind of like build this idea of racing has to be hard and miserable and you have to finish like, you know, feeling just like you've left it all out there and you're, you're miserable and you're grumpy. And like, that's, that's racing. Mm -hmm. um, or like, you know, you have to be super serious on the start line, but like, I dare you to watch Magali Rochette on the start line. Like she is smiling. She is talking to people 10 seconds before the gun goes off. Like, boom, she's race face, but mm -hmm. like, She's out there, like, super stoked to be there. And that's more the kind of racer that I, I think I aspire to be, want to be. And I think that's when I have my best results is when I'm sure. joking on the start line and, like, going in with the happy mentality versus the, like, yeah, hard man, like, got to be tough about this mm -hmm. mentality. So it's not that you're phoning it in and not going to race and you're going to just like smile and joke and spend, you know, an hour at the aid stations. Although by all means do that if you want to participate, just, we can also be happy while racing hard. <laughs> Sorry. That was a little right. bit of a, a rant. The, uh, it's tricky, I think for, to find that balance and find, sure. you know, can you have fun in events? I think as adults, it strikes me that probably it's important that there's some sort of enjoyment in the training or the, the racing. And I do think that this is where if, if that isn't, you know, an obvious thing for you, sometimes it is a reflection on, you know, maybe sampling other sports too. And that could be other disciplines or other distances, you know, if you want to stay in cycling, but it is sometimes, you know, you wonder why some people, you know, if, it, if it's just not fun, like, you know, this is why we sort of like the consummate athlete, like where you maybe go try the gym or try running or try, you know, these different things. And maybe, you know, and I would put myself in this, right? Like running is, is not new, but you know, 
we had a great couple summers there where running was just super fun and really like you know lots of people doing it and new challenges you know things we hadn't done before uh so even just stepping a little bit that way but i think that's where people are finding gravel now a little bit too where it's just different than what they'd ever done like if they've been racing in little tiny circles you know on a mountain bike their whole time or crit racing you know some of the road racers like i know some of my road clients are just like wow there's no cars and you know you see nature and (laughs) right so they're finding gravel that way so sometimes it is just stepping the discipline uh you know a little one way to the or the other but the one thing you said there i wanted to touch on uh was sort of in line there you said when when it wasn't that you had to fun per se i don't think that's what i said or what, what i meant uh but you were sort of doing this what if you know if i just go there and i don't do well uh, and I said, well, I think you maybe need to reflect on what doing well means. And I, I think that's when I was saying that everyone wants, you know, uh, we're building it up that we have to beat Matthew Vanderpool. And this seems very difficult, but you know, it is. So I think sometimes it is defining a little bit, you know, you could say the why, or you could say, you know, what is winning for you? You know, what would be a good result or time at this event? You know, maybe there is in your case, there might be a, a qualifier or something like a, you know, and, and you could sort of figure that out. Like what is the course time? What is the placing you need to try and aim for? Well, all that I know. There's just a lot of great unknowns just about the fact that my race happens to be at altitude. So there are uncontrollables that I'm just not going to know how it's going to go for me till I'm really. It is, but those are prep, but you can. And and I think, yeah, I I think so. I think it's unknown. So you could apply the like the the goal in that case is you need to finish, you know, complete before you compete. You could also say like, I, I think that's worth setting up. And you've done this before where there was like three goals. There was like the stretch goal is, you know, whatever. It could be winning the actual race on the course. It could be, you know, just qualifying could be the stretch goal. But then we make sure that like finishing is worthwhile because it is a new experience. Uh, yeah, it, it's tricky, right? But I think sometimes that is like you can't control really the altitude. I mean, altitude's nice because it doesn't change a ton. It's it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's it. But I think you want to make sure that it's not. I think even naming it, right? Sometimes it's like these unknown things. But if we like really put like what is the thing, it, it's at least easier to see where the mark is. Yeah, maybe maybe I have it in my head. The fun thing because I actually started thinking about like when I've done the best in races, and it actually was like the hundred where I was having fun and Mm -hmm. like chatting and smiling. And And it's interesting. We, I I often use the mountain bike start example, but a lot of these races, that one will be a vigorous start. I imagine um, even at altitude because it, that's a marathon. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not a probably a mountain bike start, but there'll be a little jostling for position, I'm sure. Uh, yes, but, but if you recall, Eric Orton on our podcast where we talked about this was like at Leadville, you don't jostle for position. Right. And he start. was pretty confident you could pace over that. Right. Mm-hmm. So that is a lot of these races, you know, especially depending on who we're speaking about. It doesn't have to, it can really be like a, a pretty casual, like we're leaving on a group ride type rollout. And the more comfortable you are in group rides and with fast starts, this is why a lot of clients, like I try and push that we do a lot of time working on our sprinting, working on our 30 second efforts, our, you know, sub five minute efforts, even though they're doing a 200 mile gravel race, because if you're used to that intensity and th- those motions, standing, sprinting, shifting under load, regardless of say fitness or physiology, I think that your brain and your motions, you know, your skill on the bicycle, like it just is, everything happens in slow motion. Right. Um, right. at the speed that most of us are actually intending to race at in these things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. 
Well, before we bring it back and hit up on our last topic, which is just a couple of follow-ups to, to strength, but that kind of leads, that kind of comes back to the training while sick. Uh, quick word from our newest sponsor, which is Gooder. So when we're talking about all of the fun of uh, racing and training, I think Gooder sunglasses are probably a pretty good one for that because they are just really fun. Although, okay, so everyone knows Gooder as like being these really bright, you know, they're their like mascot is a flamingo. All of their colors are bright. The box they send stuff in is super bright. But for those of you who are more in my my realm of all black all the time, uh, very neutral, there are actually still really awesome gooder glasses in fantastic neutral shades that are still, you know, super inexpensive. They start at 25 bucks. The cycling ones are 45, which is bananas for a cycling glasses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this, you know, could almost be, they look very fun. They're, they're in style. They have some fun colors if you like. Uh, but that might also be a nice way to add, you know, a fun note to your race, right? Sometimes I I think you can channel some of these things by having a little goofy thing, uh, on your bike too. Not that the glasses are goofy, but you could have a fun accent, uh, as part of your kit. Right. And that could definitely like help with the mindset on these race days. It's true. I did actually get the pink cycling sunglasses they're they're white frames with pink lenses and i'm pretty stoked on them so that means peter can borrow my black mirrored ones which i'm gonna say it a lot of you asked me about on instagram because i have been wearing them on the bike lately i hate me for saying it too i'm sorry guys okay so gooder gooder they look good they're fun they're affordable and they're all polarized so they're not just like the cheapy glasses you would get at you know target or walmart or walmart or whatever they're actually really good glasses and honestly i've had a hard time scratching them like i've and you try your hardest i try my hardest i am not nice not a case person no no so the fact that they've been going strong and like the mirrored uh bike ones you would see if I scratched them. They'd, it'd be very obvious. And I have managed to not scratch them despite just living in my helmet and getting tossed around. So absolutely worth it. Definitely check them out. And if you want to support the show and pick up a pair, Gooder is giving consummate athlete listeners free shipping on your first order. That's only in the US. They do ship to Canada now, though. And they do have a whole Canadian store. So now if you are in Canada and you've been stuck trying to find them, fruitlessly in you know local shops although obviously support your local shops if they do carry gooders you can get them online which is great you can go to gooder that's g-o-o-d-r.com backslash consummate and use code consummate to get that free shipping and gooder offers a 30-day money-back guarantee and 100 satisfaction so if you don't like the style you don't like the vibe you can always return them get your money back so find your pair at gooder again g-o-o-d-r.com backslash consummate and use code consummate to get free shipping all right let's talk strength training so we've been talking strength training a lot in the past few q a's to to be clear so if you're new to the show maybe head back a couple episodes and just sort of see what we've been talking about as far as strength training while doing endurance sport goes but we did have a couple of follow-ups so where do you want to start with that do you want to start with your your mafetone slow weight well i mean yeah, I guess so. There's a few ways we could go with that. Uh, Brooke, who's our bikepacking friend and and uh, I guess consummate athlete alumni, uh, he was saying, you know, if if people are maybe trying to avoid soreness, trying to fit it in, he wondered about 
putting a clipboard sort of in the house and maybe you have a weight or a pull-up bar or something and maybe there would be like a list of exercises on this clipboard and you'd be trying to get them done over the day I think was his intention but you could even do this over the week like you're trying to get a certain number of sets and reps on exercises and so you'd maybe you know every time he said you you put it like really much in the you know in the way so whatever we have a pull-up bar say in the bedroom uh, door but you could have it wherever like entrance to your office so that every time you leave your office you have to do a set of something and then you'd accumulate this and he wondered you know would that be a a good idea that's actually a great question yeah because i mean i know a lot of people that do this they'll sneak in a few push-ups and we can safely say that's great health wise Mm -hmm. like excellent idea definitely do it but does it have the same effect as like strength training in sets well i always think about these questions as you know so we're going to have some sort of weightlifting contest or a bike racing contest. it doesn't even really matter we're going to have some sort of would you bet on the person who does nothing or the person who does you know they do three sets you know of push-ups every day uh you know and that's that's their fitness regime and we're going to have the the couch person versus the push-up person and they're going to do any sort of event like who would you bet on right you know, and you might lose that bet, but that's the way I sort of think about the mechanisms on these things. So that's where even with consummate athlete sort of philosophy, you know, can you run or do strength and do biking as a busy person, you know, and, and you're sort of adding some activity to the week. So you're the same as your friend, you and your friend each ride eight hours a week, plus you do two runs at lunch or two strength workouts at lunch uh, on top of what your friend does. To me, that just makes a lot of sense. At the extreme levels, you know, I always think, you know, the Tour de France person, they probably will get too tired by doing these extra runs or whatever, because they're already maxing out the amount of energy and exercise they can do. And they're trying to be very specific. But for the rest of us, I think it makes sense. So tying that back then would adding, you know, exercise and movement and range of motion to your week, if you were otherwise not strength training, 100%, that's going to be beneficial. If you're not strength training, but... If you did, say, have like the two even 30-minute sessions or three 30-minute sessions, Mm -hmm. you probably don't want to give them up for this. Although I I think you could do that. You could do both. Probably. And maybe you could be more efficient in the gym. So say you were going to the gym twice a week and then you were going to do this other, you know, we'll call it Brooke's idea, uh, the the clipboard, Brooke's clipboard. Should we maybe make like a little graphic for this? We could. I don't know. Maybe Brooke. Brooke's a really creative guy. Uh, Maybe he already made it, but we we can certainly see (laughs) what's what's up with that. and we do have another resource like Phil Maffetone's. Uh, that's why I said to Brooke, I'm like, I'm pretty sure Phil Maffetone did something like this. So his is, I think, called Slow Weights or Slow Strength. Yeah, the Slow Weights way. And, and it essentially was the same. Put a barbell on your deck and every time you go out your front door, you do deadlifts or curls or whatever it was. Uh, and in his theory is that then you don't get sore. He's very much like averse to sort of anaerobic which he includes strength trainers and he's actually warmed up towards this but this is how he's warmed up towards it is just including some strength training and full-on strength training like you know overhead squats and stuff with barbells uh but just never you know full out uh and his belief is that that's better for health certainly and, and maybe also for endurance athletes and you know probably relates back to our sickness and illness like is that anaerobic component maybe troublesome i've i've put out that proposal a few times that if we would all be brave and do maybe three or four months of you know what math would call or film affetone would call math training but you know you could call it zone two training or or honest endurance training easy training low intensity training we'd probably be in pretty good shape and also probably fairly healthy um 
and why those things interact who knows but it's that aerobic metabolism is such a base of like our daily energy and often helps with sleep and stress again it's not as you know quote unquote stressful uh in the same way that anaerobic training would be if Mm -hmm. you've ever done you know heavy crossfit workout or your hill intervals sometimes like you have to sit on the couch afterwards for sure so where am I going with that um, clipboard? Where, where did I, I think feel like I missed something? No, I think that that pretty much covered the clipboard idea. Um, I think there's probably like a blend of that. Sorry, you said, but like, how would you integrate? I don't think I ever wrapped that up. So heavy. So I would go into the gym for 30 minutes, do my five sets of heavy deadlifts, and you know, assisted whatever pull-ups that are like really machine heavy. Like you can only do them in that environment. And then at home, maybe I'm doing some yoga maybe i need to get some yoga or something or maybe i have a trx you know suspension trainer at home so i can do some work on my back like those you know body rows um maybe i do handstand push-ups if i have like just like what can you do in the environment that's how i would line that up so if you're at the gym don't do push-ups right like you can do push-ups at home don't pay someone to go and do push-ups at the gym at the gym i would put that half an hour into like that's the heavy set and then at home you can think about that as like dan john would call that's like a tonic workout a maintenance workout um or you could do mobility which is probably just strength training so maybe you're working on those one leg romanian deadlifts the tipping bird that a lot of people struggle with the the stability and mobility there's hamstring tied into that uh yeah, I think just what do you have? So if you we have a pull-up bar, so maybe I wouldn't do pull-up at the gym, right? But you'd think about maybe you don't. A lot of people don't can't do pull-ups, so they're going to the gym to get a pull-up or a monkey bar or something. Uh, so that's how I would think about that. I, I don't see any. There's no downside. There's no. <laughs> literally no downside to doing it. I think my only downside is maybe like depending on the kind of person you are as far as like habits and routines go. Like I, oh, yeah. I actually don't love like sprinkling little stuff throughout the day i like one thing i can check off of my to-do list so i think i would actually really struggle with this if i took my two strength workouts off of my calendar and was just trying to do this throughout the day i think i would struggle because i'd rather just get it done and check it off so if you're that kind of person then sure. you know it, yeah. it might not work and so. I, I struggle like that where you know during the winter i want to do more of this 30 to 60 minute strengths you know two or three times a week but then you know, it's harder to get in, but then I also, then, then like you say, then I don't do my morning strength, you know, movement, which is, you know, 10, 15 minutes at most, you know, say five or six days a week. But I, I always, I think that I do better with that consistent, like most days of the week, uh, maybe every day of the week, we talked about decision-making sometimes that like every day you do strength in the morning. And if you're tired, it's more of a yoga you know, it's more of a band, you know, working on the shoulder mobility or whatever you're supposed to be doing for uh, physiotherapy or something. I don't know. I think for me, that's the thing. And it definitely drops off. And then it, somehow I end up doing nothing <laughs> at the end of the week. So I don't know. You'd have to be careful. But I think as a way to get started or someone like Brooke, like he, I, I, every time I look on Instagram, he's doing like a prep workout for his bikepacking. And it's like he's riding 30 hours on a weekend. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he has a hard time, you know, going to the gym on Monday. So if for him, it's like, you know, he puts a kettlebell by the stairs and he walks up and down with it. And then, you know, every time he goes through the other door with the pull-up bar, like, I don't know if, if that works. I think it's, it's super and Phil Maffetone says it's okay. For sure. Just figure out what kind of person you are. And you might be both. Like, you might be able to set all of those things up and still do the the strength sets. And just- maybe Brooke's wisdom there is the the clipboard, right? Is that like at the end of the week, maybe you have to do a full strength workout if you're behind, mm-hmm. right? Or, or at least a longer one to make up. Because like, because I, I, this is definitely like the research there. Um, 
what is the muscle? Uh, not well, Schofield would be one. Stu Phillips, Stu Phillips from McMaster University. If you just look up Stu Phillips and like muscle or Stu Phillips and hypertrophy or Stu Phillips and like, you know, strength training, you'll see a lot of this like recent research over the last three years about like how much is enough, how much to maintain was popular during COVID, uh, the difference between building muscle hypertrophy versus strength gains and like can you use lightweights versus heavyweights. And a lot of it is just like it has to feel hard and, and it'll be good. Um, and that was sort of a lot of the consensus, but there was sort of a, a rough range there as far as sets and reps. And so let's say you're aiming for five sets on the week of a, a given exercise and about eight reps. So that's what, 40 reps total. Uh, not saying that those are the exact figures. Again, you can look it up and figure out what you're trying to do. But if that was the goal, then again, if, if you got to Friday and you were behind, you'd maybe do three sets of 10 because you only did two during the week. And, and maybe that would work great with the clipboard, you know, to at least account for it, which is something we always say with strength training, right? Is the one of the biggest limiters, you know, if you had to, you're going to do strength training, what you're actually doing is setting up the clipboard. Uh, that's the main thing <laughs> aside from the strength training, because you need the, the addictive part is seeing that you did 10 last week this week you did three by 11 next week three by 12 that's the the cool part with strength training sure yeah yeah okay love it and then last thing here is just recovery after strength was one of the questions now was that one ever phrased as a question uh does it make much difference and should it be the same um like should recovery from a big strength workout be the same as recovery from a big bike workout i think is sort of the question here hmm I guess I, it depends. I, I think you're asking a question, but I, I would say they're different because they're different types of fatigue. Uh, and that's sometimes it's hard to understand. You'll, you'll hear athletes get upset because they don't feel tired sometimes. You know, maybe if you do, we talk about the 90 minutes of say zone two, like endurance training, it's unremarkable. That's what we would describe it. It's not, there's nothing magical. There's nothing Instagrammable. So you're not going to feel sore like you would after a run or a strength training and, and that's the tricky bit is that's why people you know they say I, I always say in quotes they say i got a really good workout because they went out and ran moderately and now their body feels beat up and and they were running moderately so there's a little bit of fatigue and with strength you also get that and that's i think why strength training can be you know fun and addictive if you will is because you can feel like you got a good workout you're very tired muscularly so fatigue can manifest itself in a lot of different ways you know neuromuscular uh, energetically or metabolism met metabolically metabolically uh or or muscular uh, and they feel different so in the same way you know usually you'll see uh, you know, that one to two days later, the, the delayed onset muscle soreness or DOMS, you'll feel that strength training workout. Uh, whereas with endurance training, you know, you're not necessarily going to feel it in that same way. You maybe feel a bit slow the next day. It could be muscular, but not in generally, you know, the, the soreness, right? Like you can't sit down to the toilet type soreness. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't know, you know, is there another question embedded in that? Do you think? No, I think it was just sort of thinking through, like, if you do a strength work, actually, this is maybe you just pointed out doms. So if you do a strength workout, you probably almost wouldn't want to have a recovery day the next day, because you're probably not going to feel that sore 
the next day necessarily it's more the day after and you have to know yourself yeah a little bit because younger people may not feel it at all and then the joke is always that you know older you know once you get into your 40s and stuff like it hits you two days later and you can't remember you know why why you're sore anymore uh so yeah and this is the complaint this is why a lot of people don't do strength training. this is how we ended up on brooke's clipboard idea i think was in that episode was the, the soreness and then like now i can't train the next day so in that episode and that concept we spoke about you know i really like high low off we don't always stick to it certainly but that idea that the the high intensity then the low intensity and then the off day and so what does that mean that means maybe an interval set i do like double days but a lot of people are resistant to doing you know the high intensity bike workout or run workout with the strength training uh on the high day day one day two unremarkable endurance day whatever normal endurance is for you usually. Uh, this could be your long ride on Sunday though too. Uh, and then usually an off day. So that could be Saturday intervals and strength, Sunday long ride, Monday off day. This would be a very, most people listening probably have a schedule that's sort of like that. What you want to be careful with is if you do end up doing strength on say Friday, which is common, and then the bike workout Saturday, the complaint is always like, I feel like junk on Saturday. And so you do have to like figure out how you're going to do that. That could be reducing the strength load. That could be putting the strength on Saturday. That could be, you know, you could do it. Maybe you could do strength on Sunday morning. I'd be like that. You maybe could do that. Uh, some people will move the strength to Thursday night and maybe do a short workout on Thursday and then take a lighter day even just like a short recovery spin or something on friday and then try the intensity on saturday so you sort of just have to figure out the timing to make it work and then also just watch your loading i would say 50 percent of the time this question comes when all of a sudden someone remembers they have to do strength and they haven't done it for two months and they do the full thing like full gas and really push it they you know they felt recovered finally and then they hit it and so yeah yeah you're sore right and the, that's the problem is this like then you're going to feel it on Saturday. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So sometimes it's just ordering the fatigue, uh, you know, fatigue. And sometimes we think about the priority, you know, do the most important thing first. And, and in the off season, strength might be the most important. And then that's where maybe we're not as concerned with the bike stuff, or it's more of like a tempo pace that you can sort of push. Um, yeah. Love it. All right. Well, keep the questions coming as we get more and more into race season. Uh, wish, wish Peter luck for this weekend at the, Ontario O Cup of the World Championships in Mansfield. And of course, if you enjoyed this episode, please, please, please head over and subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff. You can find us over on Instagram at Consummate Athlete. And with that, we will see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox. 